start. If you have your Bible with you this morning, turn to Ezekiel chapter 37, and we're gonna continue in our series, Culture of Revival. And our church is called Rev City Church, and there's many reasons that we're called Rev City Church, that we wanna see a revolution of faith and family, that we wanna see reverence for God's word restored. Even the word rev in and of itself, just as a word, stand alone, means for us to have an increase in activity or energy, especially in anticipation of a coming event. And we wanna see people revived to life in Christ as we, as a church family, as the people of God, reveal Jesus through the way we live and through the way we share the gospel, the free invitation to be forgiven and to be restored into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So individually, we desire to see people revived to life as they encounter the life of Christ, but collectively and corporately, we wanna see our community revived to life in Christ. We believe that Lawrence can experience a revival, an awakening. We believe that Lawrence can begin to be known for an outpouring of God's spirit, for a revival that's characterized by many, many precious people coming to, to know Jesus Christ, putting their faith and trust in him, experiencing what it means, and it's a good feeling to be completely forgiven, all your sins washed away, and stepping into the life of revival. Revival is more than a series of services or events. I know in previous generations, the connotation of that word was maybe we rent a big tent and we bring an evangelist in and we have a revival or we have a revival service and there's nothing wrong with those things. It can be a part of revival or stirring revival. But the series is named uh, by design, culture of revival, because I believe that as a church family, as a people of God, it's what God desires for us to do, to be, to experience, and to represent to our community continually that any time, any place where there's someone or something that, is, that needs to be brought back to life, that needs to experience more of the life of God, the abundant life. Remember Jesus said, John 10, 10, I've come that you might have life, but not just life, life abundantly, life to the fullest, he said. And so that's what we wanna be, that's what we wanna stand for, that's what we wanna believe for. So here's a few definitions of the word revive, which is the root word of the word revival. And here's what I found when I dug in and researched the definitions of that word revive. And here's what, I, here's what it says. An improvement in the condition or strength of something. An instance of something becoming popular, relevant, active, or important again. How many believe that that's what our culture needs is a return to valuing and seeking out and living out our faith in Jesus Christ. An awakening of activity or fervency a restoration to physical, mental, or spiritual life, vitality, and success. Those are definitions of the word revive, which is the root of revival. Come on, if that's what revival stands for, how many of you could use some revival in your life? Come on, a strengthening, a quickening, a restoration in your physical life, your mental life, your emotions, your spiritual life, your relationships, to increased vitality that leads to prosperity and success. The, Bible's talk, the Bible talks about revival. Psalm 85 verse six says, won't you revive us again, God, that we, your people, will once again rejoice in you. And so I believe more than anything what people need, what our marriages need, what our homes need, what our schools need, come on, what our community needs, what the city needs, what our region needs, what our nation needs. It's not another program or a politician. There's some things we can believe for or do better, but I'm telling you, we need an awakening. We need a returning to God. We need a move of repentance. We need a revival of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you believe it to be true, give the Lord some praise today. All right, so 
So culture revival, that's what we wanna be. I want you to turn to Ezekiel chapter 37. And this is a passage, this is the valley of dry bones, and this is a passage that speaks of God's ability to bring dead things back to life, which is what is at the heart of revival. So before we dig into God's word, we're gonna read quite a bit of this chapter as the Lord has really challenged me to do in recent years because there's a new generation of believers who maybe didn't grow up in Sunday school reading these stories and drawing biblical principles and truths from them. So we're gonna read quite a bit of it. We're gonna, I'm gonna encourage you with some things and preach to you as we read through it. And then there's one concept that I believe is really clear in this passage that I'm gonna dig into a little bit deeper today to encourage us. It's a discipleship message. It's something that God has called us to do as Christ followers. And there's a a lot that hangs in the balance. There's a lot that hangs in the balance based on our willingness and ability to press in and grab a hold of this principle and go home and live it out in our personal lives of faith. So, so let's, let's get our hopes up and our hearts up, our expectation up for what God wants to do. And before we dig into God's word, let's pray. And I'll pray over us corporately, but I wanna encourage you like I always do, right where you sit, in your current circumstances, your situations, the places where maybe you're, you have some opportunities before you or maybe the places where you're up against opposition, would you ask God to come and speak to you? Would you ask God to come as much as I care? Hopefully you could tell. As a pastor, I'm telling you, your heavenly father cares even more about the season of life that you're in. And he sees and he knows and he desires today to come and help. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to help you, encourage you. And so come on, before I just keep preaching, let's, let's get to praying. And I'll, again, I'll pray corporately, but right where you are, would you turn your heart to God? Would you ask him to speak to you personally? And Lord, that's our prayer. That's our heart, God, today, to do more than just show up at church, just to do more than just a few songs and a message. We wanna encounter the spirit of the living God. We wanna hear from God, our Father. We wanna, Lord, be strengthened and encouraged and equipped, Lord, as we honor you, as we turn to you, as we declare our trust is in you. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that you will do what only you could do, Lord, that you would, Lord, that you would bring breath, Lord, that you would bring life, Lord, to people who are in dead or dying situations, Lord, people who are in hopeless circumstances, God. I thank you, Lord, that there's always hope if we turn to you. And Lord, I pray for anyone who's in this room or under the sound of my voice who's experiencing any kind of challenge or difficulty, Lord, doubt or fear, Lord, a need for you to show up in their physical body or their emotions, their, their, their mental health, God, their, their spiritual condition. Their, their marriages, their relationships, Lord, maybe their children's lives, their grandchildren's lives, Lord, all those things and everything in between, Lord, we present those things to you today, God. And Lord, I pray that you would use this moment, use an imperfect preacher and an imperfect message, Lord, to do what you desire to do, Lord, reveal the heart of a perfect father, bring strength, courage, life, hope to every man, every woman, every home, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, we pray and we believe, and if you'll receive just any of that for yourself, come on, give the Lord a good amen. amen. Come on, give the Lord a good amen. amen. Come on, one more time, give the Lord a good amen. amen. All right, Ezekiel chapter 37, the story of the Valley of Dry Bones, we're gonna pick it up in verse one, and here's what it says. It says that the Lord took a hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley that was filled with bones. And I don't know how many of you have ever felt like maybe you were following the Lord or, or answering his call or being led by God and it maybe led you to a dry place or led you to a place where you didn't expect for it to be so challenging or didn't expect for there to be the opposition or the, or the deadness or the dryness that you've experienced in life. And I wanna encourage you, if that's you, you're not alone. And if that's you and that's where you find yourself today, this message is for you because you're gonna discover that when you find yourself in those places, God is with you, he's for you, and he's looking to do a work in your life that shows you in a new way, a fresh way, who he is to you and his power and ability to show up in your life. 
And he says, he led me all around the dry bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground. They were completely dried out. Your translation might say they were very dry. These weren't just kind of dry. These were very dry. These were extra tasty, crispy, dry bones. And he said that they, then he asked me, it says, verse three, son of man, this is God speaking, can these bones become living people again? Ezekiel replies and he says, Sovereign Lord, you alone know the answer to that. Maybe you're up against something or going through something today and you don't know where to turn, you don't know where to look, you don't know what to do and I'm telling you that sometimes when we find ourselves in that situation, the best thing to do is just recognize and realize the limited nature of our wisdom or our insight or our ability and our own strength and say, God, I don't know what to do but I know you do and I'm putting my trust in you and I'm looking to you and regardless of how it goes, regardless of the outcome, I am putting my faith and my trust in you. He said, only you know God. And so verse four, God responds and he says, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. Someone say live again. Come on, someone look at someone close to you and just tell them, come on, you're gonna live again. In the place where there's been doubt or fear, uncertainty, depression or despair, you are going to live again. God is not through with you. He said, it's gonna make you live again. I'll put flesh and muscles upon you. I'll cover you with skin. I'll put my breath into you and you will come to life. Come on, you'll be revived. And you will know that I am the Lord. So he spoke, I spoke this message just as he told me. And I want you to catch this. This is what we're gonna dig into. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body began to come together. They attached themselves and became complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Skin was formed to cover the bodies, but they still had no breath in them. And then he said to me, once again, he says, speak. Someone say, speak. speak. A prophetic message to the winds, O son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life, stood upon their feet, became a great army. And then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. Come on, the people of God. They are saying, we have become old, dry bones, all hope is gone. Maybe this resonates with you that we could look around in our culture and maybe identify with this. Our nation is finished. Therefore, he says, prophesy to them and say, this is what the Lord says. We might look around and even see some legitimate reasons to be alarmed about the direction or the condition of our culture as more and more people minimize or marginalize or even eliminate the role of God and the role of faith in our lives. But I'm telling you that the same thing that happened in this story is the same thing that God will do today if we as the people of God will begin to believe in faith, receive his word, and begin to speak life begin to declare the word of the Lord. He said, prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. 
Oh, my people, I will open your graves. I will cause you to rise again. He said, there, there might be people who are far from me, but I'm gonna bring them back. I'm gonna forgive them. I'm gonna show them my grace. I'm gonna extend them my mercy. I'm gonna revive them to life. And he says, I'll cause you to rise again. I'll bring you back to your land. And when this happens, you'll know that I'm the Lord. I'll put my spirit in you. You will live again. Say it again. Live again. Live again. You'll return home to your land and you'll know that I, the Lord, have spoken. And I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. God's part is to bring the breath. God's part is to do the miracle. God's part is to bring dead things back to life. Come on, it's the heart of the gospel. It's the heart of our faith. Resurrection power. There's never something that's too dead, too dry, too far, too gone for God not to come and to begin to bring life, to bring something back to life. God does the, does the miracle. God brings the breath, but we have a part to play. And he said, Ezekiel, you got to you gotta speak. He said, you speak the word of the Lord. He said, you prophesy. He said, you might see a valley of dry bones, but he said, I see a great army. And he said, you gotta begin to speak in faith. And I'm, I'm here to encourage you today. This is a discipleship message. This is something that God is calling us, you and me, to do in our life, that perhaps more than anything in our lives of faith that we have a part to play in, the words that we speak are shaping and forming the life of faith that we are living. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord, let them say so. And there are many people who believe in God. There are many people who know that God can or could come and show up in our life or in our marriage or in our community or in our culture or in our nation. And it's a good thing to believe in God. But let me encourage you with something. What we actually say matters more than what we say we believe. And it's time for the people of God to once again begin to speak in faith. It's time for the people of God to begin to discover or rediscover our voice, to no longer allow the fear of man and intimidation of the culture that threatens to cancel you, to cause you to keep from speaking out, from telling people about a God who loves them right where they are, but loves them too much to leave them far from God and lost in their sin. He wants to forgive them and bring them into a life-giving relationship with him. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It's time for us to begin to speak out. He said, I'll bring the breath. I'll bring the life. Your part is to prophesy. Your part is to speak the word of the Lord over your life, over your marriage, over your family. And listen, you need to hear something today. Again, I mentioned more than anything, the words we speak are forming and the foundation and the future of our life. First Peter 3.10 is the verse that I really wanna go to, but as I was reading the chapter, verse eight and verse nine were just too good, just too rich to leave out of reading over us today. So let's read verse eight, nine, and 10 together. And it says this, First Peter chapter three, finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted towards one another. Keep a humble attitude. Do not repay evil for evil. Do not retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. 
and he will grant you his blessing. For the scriptures say, and here's where we were really going for this message, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil, keep your lips from telling lies. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in what? The power of the tongue. So more than just the emotions and the superficial response that words create, and how many know words do create a response? Come on, where my married people are, and you know real well that the wrong word at the wrong time is gonna create a response, come on. Don't, tell, don't let me hang and don't tell me it's just me. But beyond the superficial or emotional response that words create when they're spoken, we gotta understand that there's a powerful principle at play with our words. God could have ordained it to be any way that he wanted it to be. He could have waved his hand, he could have snapped his fingers, he could have created with a thought, but when God desired to create the world and all that it contains within it, he spoke. Genesis 1, verse 3, verse 6, 9, 11, 14, 20, 26, 29. Go back and read it for yourself. Every time where God desired to, to create, he spoke it out and it came into existence. There is life and death in the power of your tongue. Our words can either bring life, bring death. Our words can either build up or tear down. And you know it's true and something that's not true is a statement that many of us grew up hearing or saying, it's the furthest thing from the truth. It's one of the greatest fallacies in all the world. And I'm, I know that's saying something, but here's what the big lie is. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You know it's not true. Many, many precious people crippled in life, hobbling through life, with a void of purpose and significance, depression and despair, all because of a word that was spoken over them. You'll never amount to anything. Why can't you be more like? And because of a word spoken, because of a, of a word that wasn't chosen in a way that brings life, and I'm telling you today, if that's you, and I think all of us have experienced that at certain levels or maybe in a certain season from a certain person in our life or maybe tied to a certain area of our life. And I wanna encourage you today that God's heart for you today is to speak a better word over you. God's word for you is to come into that place that might be dead or dry or dying because of a word that was spoken in his, today he says prophesy, today he says I've got a better word, today he says I've got a promise, today he says my hope, my future for you is good, it's filled with promise, it's filled with my provision, not with harm, God desires to speak a better word over you. So words have life, there's death and life in the power of the tongue and Ephesians 4.29 says do not let any unwholesome speech come out of your mouth, but only, someone say only, what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So it says, don't let anything unwholesome come out, but, but put a guard on your mouth, put a filter on your speech. And the filter is this, is this word that's about to come out of my mouth gonna partner with God's heart to bring life or freedom to this person? Or is it partnering with the enemy's plan to steal, kill, destroy, and discourage? And it's easier said than done. Book of James says, who can bridle the tongue? 
But God has a way of putting us in places that require us to desperately depend upon him. And I'm telling you, you cannot, man of God, do it in your own strength. But you can do it if you surrender yourself to the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you begin to say, God, would you, would you put a guard on my heart? It's what the psalmist said in Psalm 143, 141, verse three. He said, set a guard over my mouth, O God. Keep watch over the door of my lips because what we have to understand is there's life and death and the power of the tongue and your words, my words, are either bringing life or death, they're either building up or tearing down. And it said, it said building up others according to their needs. And did you know that as a spouse, your husband or, or your wife has specific and strategic areas of need that they need you to be affirming and building them up in? Did you know that if you are blessed to have kids or grandkids, or even if you don't, there are spiritual children that you have the opportunity to, to represent the heart of the Father to? There are specific and strategic needs that our children need to hear. And, and, and I wanna encourage us with a few things, things that we ought to focus on to release with the power of our words. And one is we ought to be re releasing words of love and affirmation. And I wanna take you to Matthew chapter three and four to, to show you a powerful, profound example of the importance and priority of speaking words of love and affirmation over our spouse, over especially our children and grandchildren, the future generation. And in Matthew chapter three, this is the story, the passage where Jesus is being baptized by John the Baptist and Here's what it says, it says that when he had been baptized, he came up, Jesus, immediately from the water, and behold, the angels were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him, and suddenly a voice from heaven came saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Love and affirmation. You say, that's Jesus. The, the one and only Son of God who had been with the Father and the Spirit in heaven for all of eternity, waiting for the moment that he would be sent to come and reveal the heart of the Father, forgive our sins, bring us back home to him. Shouldn't Jesus know if anyone would know that he was loved by the Father and that he was affirmed by the Father, but for some reason God knew and saw fit that even Jesus would need to hear the love of the Father, the affirmation of a Father if he was going to fulfill his purpose and destiny in life. So here's what I wanna ask you. What comes after Matthew chapter three in the Bible? Ma chapter four. <laughs> chapter four. What's in chapter four? Chapter three is God coming to Jesus and saying, this is my beloved son. In a loud way, everyone could hear it. This is my beloved son in whom I well please love and affirmation. You know what's in chapter four, the very next page? Turn the page in your Bible. Satan shows up and he says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself off of this high place. And if you read the context, he said, Satan came and took him up to the highest place upon the temple and said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself off. If you read it contextually, it's a spirit of suicide looking to cut off Jesus's purpose and destiny. And I'm telling you that there's a spirit of suicide and depression and despair that is attacking and coming against this generation to keep them from stepping into and fulfilling the purposes of God. And there's many things that we could point to as reasons or as causes of that. But I'm telling you, one of the reasons is that that generation needs the voice of love and affirmation from earthly parents and spiritual parents. And here's what I wanna encourage you with. It's never too late to do the right thing.
It's never too late to do the right thing. Maybe you would hear that, you'd be convicted and say, man, I've struggled with expressing my love. I've struggled to express my affirmation. Maybe occasionally I would do it when they were making the team or making the grades. But when they weren't, I've kind, of, I've kind of shrunk back from really helping my family, my spouse, my kids, my grandkids, those who God has placed in my life, from really speaking love and affirmation over them. It's never too late to do the, the right thing. Go back into those relationships. Take responsibility. Be, be real with your shortcomings. Be real with the challenges or struggles. And begin to just say, I wanna begin to just tell you and I want you to know, I wanna make sure that you know how much I love you, how much I'm with you, how much I'm for you you, how much I believe in you. We got to speak love. We got to speak affirmation in our marriages, in our homes, over our children, in our homes, over these precious kids back here that God's entrusted to us to disciple and equip. They need to hear the love and affirmation of a father. We need to speak thoughtful words. We need to think before we speak Maybe not the best time to elbow your spouse. I I don't know, maybe it is the best time to elbow your spouse. Hey buddy, you need to listen to this part right here because I don't know about you, but I've learned in my life that I can get myself in a world of hurt if I fail to think before I speak. Proverbs 29 says it this way, verse 20, there is more hope for a fool than for someone who speaks without thinking. But the counter promise is this. Proverbs 15, verse 28, The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. And in 2 Corinthians 10, verse five, there's a powerful principle that we can apply to a lot of things, but it applies to this, and it says this. We take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. Pastor T, this is a message about words, and the words we speak, that's talking about thoughts. Yes, you know why it's important? Because every word originates as a thought. And you can afford to have the thoughts. You will have the thoughts of anger or negativity or pessimism or doubt or fear, but the place to win the battle is in the mind. We begin to say, I'm not going to allow that thought that is entered into my mind to be manifest as a word that could potentially bring death or bring destruction or bring discouragement to myself, my spouse, my children, my coworkers. Begin to win the battle in your mind. You can afford to have negative thoughts, but you cannot afford to allow negative thoughts to become negative words. There's a powerful example of this in Numbers chapter 14. And it's the people of God being led towards the promised land of God. They've been rescued out of captivity. They've been rescued from their bondage. It's a prophetic picture of what we've experienced through the cross of Jesus Christ, the Passover lamb of God who's rescued us and redeemed us. He's got a promised land for us that lies ahead of us. But they ran into kind of some uncertainties and they began to grumble and complain, it says. Let me just read it. It says, the sons of Israel, verse two, Numbers 14, they began to grumble against Moses and Aaron. And the entire congregation said to them, they spoke these words, if we only had died in the land of Egypt, or even if we had died in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us into this land to, fall, to just fall by the sword? Our wives and little ones are gonna become plunder. They hadn't, that hadn't happened yet. They were allowing uncertain thoughts to become words of doubt and fear. And it said, would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Really? How quickly you've forgotten all you were doing there is crying out to God, deliver us. And they said to one another, they spoke this out. Remember, you can afford to have negative thoughts, but we cannot allow ourselves to begin to express negative words. He said, let's appoint a leader, return to Egypt. Fast forward, verse 26 of the same chapter. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron again. 
And Moses and Aaron are seeking God. And if you go back and read the whole chapter for yourself, what you discover is that God actually forgave the people for their doubting and their grumbling, their lack of faith towards their leaders and towards God and his ability to see them through what he was calling them to. And, and, and he forgave them, but there's a powerful principle. Remember, our words are like seeds. Our words are being planted and they will come to pass. The Bible says, don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. You're gonna harvest what you sow. And your words are like seeds. There's a harvest coming from the words you choose to speak today. And sometimes you reap that harvest right away, instantaneously, and other times it comes down the line. But, but he said, in verse 26, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, how long shall I put up with this congregation grumbling against me? I've heard the complaints of the sons of Israel that they are voicing against me. And so he said, say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, Catch this, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. And he goes on to say, you're not gonna make it to the promised land. Your dead bodies are gonna lay waste in this wilderness. He said, everyone that's 20 years and upward who have grumbled against me, they will not enter into the promised land of God. He forgave them, but he said, it's going to affect your ability to walk into the fullness of the promises that I have in my heart for you to experience in your life of faith. Lastly, verse 30, it says, except for Joshua and Caleb. He said, Joshua and Caleb, they fit into the category of people who shouldn't make the promised land, but he said, I'm gonna let them go in. Why? You remember back the 12 spies, the report that they brought? And all they came back and they said, surely the land is a good land, but it's filled with giants. We're like grasshoppers in our sight and surely the same in their sight. And they began to grumble and complain and doubt God's ability to see them through to the promise that he had made to them. But you remember Joshua and Caleb gave a different report. They said, it's a good land and surely God will deliver us. The same God who delivered us from Egypt and has fed us and helped us and provided for us and protected us and directed us. Yes, there's some giants there, but God's gonna see us through. And come on, when we get there, because there's giants there, there's gonna be big houses with big furniture and big cars for us to inhabit. They had a positive, faith-filled attitude. And here's what I wanna encourage you with. It was expressed through their words. Here's the other thing I wanna encourage you. I would be willing to bet that they were not immune from the doubt or fear in their heart. I bet you they really saw and knew, whoo, those really are some big folks that we're gonna have to come up against. And I just promise you, I, I promise you that they weren't oblivious, they weren't naive, they knew that God was gonna have to show up in their life but they wouldn't allow a thought of doubt to be expressed as a word of doubt or grumbling against God. They said, I know, we know that God's gonna have to show up. We know he's gonna have to do what he's done before, but we know that he is who he says he is. He'll do what he says he'll do. Our God will lead us. Our God will deliver us. Our God will defeat our enemies. Surely God will lead us to the promise that he's established for us as the people of God. Don't allow Negative thoughts to become negative words because your words are either creating life or speaking doubt and death over your life. Matthew 12, verse 36, every careless word that people speak, they will give an account for it in the day of judgment. Matthew 12, 37, the words you say are either acquitting you or condemning you. I mentioned it earlier, but this is the place that's actually in my notes. 
Psalm 141, set a guard on my mouth, God. Be the doorkeeper over my lips. So we gotta speak words of faith. Faith is not the absence of fear, doubt, or challenges. It's the present tense awareness of God's promises, his presence, his power, his goodness, even in the midst of those doubts, fears, or opposition. Romans 10 verse seven says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Lord. And so faith comes by hearing, and not just by hearing your pastor, your preacher, your Sunday school teacher, your elder, your deacon. Faith comes by hearing. And we have the opportunity and invitation to begin to speak out the word of God. Even in the midst of our weaknesses, our frailties, our real sin, our real opposition, Joel 3 verse 10 says this, let the weak say, I am strong. Because you might say, Pastor T, this sounds good, but you don't understand the depth of my problem, my challenge, my sin, the darkness, the divide in the relationship. I'm telling you, we serve a God in Romans 10 verse 17 who says, or Romans 4 verse 17 rather, that says, I call the things that are not as though they are. That's called talking and speaking by faith. Lord, I thank you that you're gonna meet the need for the mountain of bills. God, I thank you that you're gonna Save the one, the wayward one. Bring them back to knowing you and serving you. God, I thank you that you're gonna heal my physical body. I've got the diagnosis and the test right here, but I know I speak in faith. I prophesy. I speak to these dry bones. I speak the breath of life. I speak that I will not die but live. I speak the word of the Lord over it. Come on, we as the people of God, you might say, Isn't, can't we just believe in God? And, and I'm telling you, Jesus makes it real clear. He said, truly, I tell you, I say to you, if anyone speaks to the mountain, and, and, and it says, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, there is a power of believing in our heart and our mind, but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. It's time for the people of God to rediscover our voice. Come on, we wanna see revival in our hearts, our homes, our marriages, this church, our community, we've gotta overcome the fear of man, the intimidation or whatever it is that keeps us and we gotta begin to speak. We gotta begin to prophesy the life of God, the faithfulness of God, the promises of God over our lives. I was reminded, and I haven't shared this frequently, at least with the specificity that I'm about to share it with you today, of a testimony in my own life. And it takes you back to 2004, what would that have been, 26-year-old Thomas? And I was in a really, really good season of life. I had, had left the cattle business that I had been working for for the previous three years. I had gone into full-time ministry as a youth pastor and a worship pastor. And I loved those kids and I loved the opportunity to disciple them and preach the word of God to them and challenge them to be a generation that would stand for God. I loved the team that I was leading. And I was pursuing and preparing to marry my beautiful bride. Come on, right over here. Come on, this month we celebrate 18 years of wedded bliss. Come on, that's worth celebrating. But in the midst of all these good things that God was doing in my life, I began to experience some health challenges. I began to experience pretty severe pain and numbness and tingling. And then I began to lose sensation and awareness of some of my limbs at different times. And I'm not quick to run to the doctors, nothing wrong with that, but for a season I just prayed and I trusted. I was young, I was in much better shape than I am today, I was in great shape, I was young, and I just thought surely this will pass, you know? 
And it kept on and it kind of continued to get worse and I thought I better go get it checked out. I'm about to get married and desire to have a family and I need to be a good steward. I need to make time to take care of myself. And I went and I got it checked out and they said, we need to order an MRI of your brain. And they did the test and a few days later they called me back to the doctor's office and I'm not sure if you've ever had to experience this, but there's a different tone and posture of a doctor the way he closes the door and sits on that stool when he's about to give you bad news. And I knew he hadn't even said a word and I knew what he was about to tell me it's not gonna be what I desired to hear. And he had some information in his hand and he came in and he sat down and he twirled around on that stool and he said, Mr. Humphreys, I need to tell you what we discovered in your test. And he pointed up to the MRI and he said, right here, if you look, these are white lesions that are developing upon your brain. And he said, what, what it is is it's a demyelinization of the nerve endings in your brain and he said, unfortunately, I need to tell you that you have multiple sclerosis. And he said, here's a packet of information. I want you to become familiar with it. He said, we'll start talking about treatments and regimens that we can begin to put you on. But he said, this is gonna be your new normal. And I remember the door, he walked out, the door closed, and I remember sitting there just thinking, oh God. And I was so grateful that when I left that doctor's office, I went to a place where I had godly men in my life. And they received me and they, they comforted me and they, they kind of met me where I was, just kind of shaken, you know, like you would be after you received that kind of life-altering news. And so they met me where I was and prayed with me and encouraged me, but then faith began to stir in the room and one of the young men who was in the room, he, he took those, those pamphlets, the information that they had given me to kind of become aware of and accustomed to my new normal, and he took those things and he took them in his hand and he began to tear them one by one. And he began to say, this is not the report that we're gonna believe. We're gonna re believe the report of the Lord that says that Jesus was, was bruised for your transgressions. He was, he, by his stripes, you are healed. And he said, we're gonna believe the report of the Lord that this is not your new normal, that he's going to heal you and he's gonna restore you. And we begin to pray in faith. But the symptoms continued. Night after night, the, the numbness, the tingling, the pain, the burning sensation. And I remember one night I was laying there in bed and I just began to, to weep. And I, I said, oh God, and under my breath, I think by that time I was laying next to my beautiful bride who was asleep in the middle of the night. I said, oh God. I said, I, I, I wanna have kids. I wanna be there for my kids. I wanna have grandkids. I wanna be there for my grandkids. There's things that I wanna do in my life. There's things that I've always dreamed about accomplishing and seeing with my life. And the Lord just came and he quickened me and he's, I was so thankful that in my moment, come on, if you're gonna have a pity party or kind of outward process, fear or doubt or whatever, the, the right person to do it with is the Lord. He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't break or a bruised reed. He doesn't snuff out a, a smoldering candle or wick, the Bible says. And it's what I was in that moment and he met me where I was, but then he began to bring faith to me and he spoke this to me. He said, Thomas, you're either gonna fight or die. And I began to say, Lord, what does that look like for me? And there was a lot of things that I began to do, but I began to just be quickened in my spirit to stand upon the word of God. In the middle of the night when I would experience that numbness or tingling or burning sensation or loss of feeling in my limbs, I would get up and I would go to my kitchen in our little 982 foot house, starter house that Amy and I had bought and fixed up on the corner of White and Karen Drive and I would begin to take the Lord's Supper in the middle of the night and I would begin to open up that little cup that I had 
permanently borrowed from my church. And, and I would take that cup and I would say, this is the blood of Jesus that was shed for my healing, including the healing of my physical body. And this bread right here represents the body of Christ that was broken for my healing. And I began to speak and declare the word of God. I, I, I bet I, if I said it one time, I bet I said it thousands of times, three or four, 5,000 different times. I grabbed a hold of Psalm 18, 17, and I began to just declare, I will not die, but live to tell of the works and the glories of my God. And I'd begin to experience this, and I would say, I'm not gonna die, but live. I would be driving around or going through my day or getting ready for my day, and I'd begin to experience those symptoms. And listen, I understand, and in my life, in our life, there's been other times where we've prayed and we've fasted and we've declared and we've sought the Lord and we haven't necessarily gotten the answer that we desire to get or it hasn't come yet. And so I understand that, but I'm telling you, I fully believe that, that, that my part, again, God brings the breath, God brings things back to life, God does the miracle, but we have a part to play. And I fully believe that in 2005, if I had just kind of rolled over and accepted that material and that pamphlet as my new normal, and I didn't have men of God around me to sharpen me and encourage me, and I didn't have a personal relationship with God where I had seen him lead me out of captivity and lead me through the desert place, and I didn't have that faith to draw on where I could begin to declare the word of God, it might have gone differently. For eight years, I experienced those symptoms until one day in 2013, as they were doing a follow-up MRI to just check the progress of some of the lesions in my brain, they called me back into the office and there was a different tone this time. As they turned around, they said, we can't understand it, but Thomas, your MRI came back completely normal. There's no more evidence of any white lesion or any white matter upon your brain. Come on. When you see me over here worshiping God with all my heart, lifting my hands, that's not because I'm a preacher, it's because I've been healed, saved, forgiven, restored. I've been shown the faithfulness and the goodness of God. God God's part was to do the healing. He's the one that's gonna breathe the life into your dead, dry places. He's the one that's gonna bring resurrection power to your life. But our part is to stand in faith. Our part is to speak in faith. Our part is to prophesy to those dry bones. Would you stand to your feet this morning? And I wanna do a couple things. I wanna encourage you and invite you to ask God to show you what your part is to live out this message. Come on, grab a hold of it. Don't let it slip through your fingers today. What's it look like? for you to go and begin to speak words of faith, words of life? What's it look like for you to, to ask God to begin to put, a, 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 be the doorkeeper, to put a guard upon your mouth? What's it look like to go back into friendships or relationships and maybe make right some of the things that you've said or done that maybe weren't aligned with the heart of God to speak life and strength and encouragement over people? What's it look like for you? Come on, be sensitive to the Lord and be willing to go and live it out and just watch what he'll do to bring life back to that atmosphere of those relationships or even over your personal life of faith. And would you just receive it? Would you just be sensitive? Right, right now, I just wanna take one more moment. Would you just ask him, really, take a moment. Say, Lord, what are you speaking to me? And what's my part? Have I, have I, had, have I had fear of man that has kept me from being willing to, to worship and to sing? 
because the Bible encourages us, the Bible instructs us, praise the Lord at all times, constantly speak his praise, Proverbs 31. Proverbs 22, it is good to keep these sayings in your heart and always ready to go upon your lips. Joshua 1.8, keep the book of the law, the Bible, the word of God, the promises of God always upon your lips. Maybe your part is just beginning to dig into the word of God so that you have the answer to, to the temptations, to the challenges, to the opposition. Just like when Satan came into that garden and tried to tempt Jesus, he answered with the word of God. Maybe that's your part in this season. Begin to dig into devotion and to studying God's word so that you have the word of God upon your heart and can begin to release it with your words to combat the schemes of the enemy. And right now, I wanna also just minister to you if you are dealing in a, or going through a dry place, a valley of dry bones, a place of uncertainty, a place of doubt or fear. And right now, I just if that's you, I want you to maybe just have the faith to just re- put your hands out like this in a posture of receiving. And right now, as your friend and as a spiritual father in your life, as your pastor and as a, and, and, and as a man of God, I wanna begin to just do what God encouraged Ezekiel to do. I'm, I speak to that dry place right now in Jesus' name. And I speak that the breath of God would begin to come back into your life in Jesus' name. And I pray and speak and declare that the place where things are scattered and seemingly hopeless, I declare the word of the Lord over it right now to come to life, to come together, to begin to take shape once again, that the breath of God would begin to fill you and strengthen you, that there would be newness of life, that dead and dry places would become resurrected through the revival, through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. I declare it right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, if you receive it, give the Lord some praise in this place today. And lastly, lastly, real quickly, real quickly, I wanna give people the opportunity to come home to Christ, to say yes to Jesus. And maybe you're here and you've never put your faith in Christ, you've never received the forgiveness, the removal of all the weight of guilt and sin and shame. It's a free gift. You don't get right with God, or you don't get good, rather, to to get God. You come to Christ through a free gift that you can't earn. And then God begins to help you kind of get your life straightened out. And so if that's you today, or maybe you've drifted from God, maybe you once knew God, or loved God, or served God, but you've drifted from Him, you're what the Bible describes as a prodigal son or daughter. And the same thing is true for you today, if that's you, that was true about that parable in the Bible. The the arms arms of the Father are wide open towards you. The posture of God is just a welcoming. He's saying, would you just come back home into my, my house? And we'll deal with the things in your life. Right now, I just am concerned about you and relationship restored with you. And so if that's you today, You need to put your faith in Christ, receive forgiveness, or come home to your heavenly Father. Right now, with heads bowed, eyes closed, would you do one simple thing for us? Would you just lift your hand high towards heaven as a simple, powerful outward sign of an inward work that God's doing in your life? Just lift your hand. We're not gonna make you come forward or put you on the spot. We just wanna encourage you to begin to take a small step of acknowledging what God's doing in your life. And if you raised your hand in this room and online, you could lower it, many precious people said yes to Jesus, came home to their father. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray this prayer with you. We do it for two reasons. We wanna come alongside you quickly, just let you know we're gonna stand with you, help you, encourage you, strengthen you. And the second reason we do it every week as a church family is it just keeps us tethered to the reality we never graduate from grace. Everything God's doing in our life, he's building on a foundation of grace. So come on, I mean, there were a lot of precious people came home to God today. Let's, Let's pray this prayer with them. Pray it with some fresh boldness today. Say, Father, in Jesus' name. I recognize my need for a savior. And I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price 
that I couldn't pay to make a way that I might have a new life and a fresh start. And I give you my life. I give you my trust. And because of Jesus, come on, say this part loudly. I'll never be the same. I'll never be the same. Come on, put your hands together to rejoice with all of heaven. Hey, we're gonna worship the Lord one more time together here in a moment, but man, let me just encourage you. I speak life over you today. I speak life over you today. And I just declare the blessing and the favor and the protection and the provision and the direction of God over you, over your life, your marriage, your family, the future that God has for you. Hey, we love you. We're praying for you. Let's worship the Lord one more time, then Pastor Mike is gonna come and dismiss you.